Welcome back, everybody, and gather around for another episode of the Northern Miner Podcast. That's right, I am your host, Matthew Keeble, and we are going to dive once again into the wide world of mining and exploration. So, uh, this is episode 72 for the week of September 4th. As usual, we are brought to you by the Yukon Mining Alliance. Uh, please do surf over to Yukon Mining Alliance. .ca to check out all the exciting exploration and development activity in Canada's Yukon Territory. And that that's a perfect segue because we, we got a big uh, sort of Yukon show here because uh, late last week, uh, I think it was Friday, Saturday, uh, Justin Trudeau, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, was up in the Yukon in Whitehorse uh, to make a big infrastructure announcement. Um, and this was a big one. It's uh, been about two years in the making, if I recall correctly. Um, and it's a big $360 million uh, combined federal and territorial fund uh, to improve road access in two mineral-rich areas, uh, namely the Dawson Range in the central Yukon and the Nahani Range Road in the south. Eastern Yukon. Uh, so I hopped on the phone with uh, Paul West Sells. Uh, people uh, who follow the show will be familiar with Paul. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Western Copper and Gold, and he's also the chair of the Yukon Mining Alliance. So we sort of got a dual... Um, Viewpoint from Paul on one side, uh, his casino project, uh, Western Copper and Gold's casino project, is heavily affected by this announcement due to the fact they're looking at a a, a rather large road build uh, for their development that runs south towards Carmax. Uh, in addition, uh, as his um, position on the YMA, Paul also speaks for a lot of the mining companies up there, so he can talk in a more broad context about what this announcement means. So yeah, we're going to have about an 11-minute, I think, chat with Paul, where we're going to talk a little bit about the details of this funding, uh, what the Trudeau Liberals are, are uh, putting into it, what the Yukon government is putting into it. We'll talk a little bit about social license, uh, First Nation issues, um, what that's going to look like, and what sort of timelines uh, we're looking like for this investment because I the first whenever I hear government is making any sort of investment be it infrastructure whatever the first thing I say is have you asked them about timelines like how how long or how soon can this be done uh, what are the logistics what is the social license issues etc uh, because they like to make flashy announcements to the governments but what I want to see is uh, shovels in the ground so we always like to talk about that so Paul's going to chip in on what he thinks about timelines uh, for the Yukon investment um, and it's yeah it's it's a big deal I mean we've been talking about this for a while uh, there's a number of projects that are going to be impacted. We get into this in a bit more detail, but certainly uh, first and foremost is Gold Corp's coffee project uh, alongside Western Copper and Gold's casino project. But there is a number um, of potential mines and exploration projects that uh, are going to benefit from the infrastructure investment as it comes to the Yukon. So it's uh, a big, uh, big announcement. Uh, congrats to everybody up north there. Um, we do obviously, uh, obviously head up there each year. So it'll be interesting to see as we move ahead here, this burgeoning sort of exploration and development uh, push in the Yukon Territory and see where that goes. Um, but yeah, we, we typically have um, members of the Yukon uh, government, uh, the Liberal government on here as well. So maybe in the future we'll get uh, one of the uh, economic development or uh, or maybe the Premier himself on the show to just talk a little bit about uh, what sort of scheduling they're looking at and, and you know if there's any hurdles for this funding. So that's the big thing that's coming up. Uh, we'll run in my interview with Paul uh, a little bit after, but first we'll start with our touch of macro. I'm actually going to also introduce a new... Um, what would you call it? Feature, I guess, this week, uh, where we just run through some headlines, uh, maybe some big drill intercepts, some announcements, uh, some insight we get into some big news around the business. Uh, these will be quick little story hits. Maybe we'll spend about a minute on each one just to get you uh, sort of uh, contextualized about what's going on in the business. You can always look these things up at northernminer.com uh, if you'd like some more in-depth coverage. Um, but that, that brings me to another point, infrastructure, and that's sort of what this show is going to be 
you know, rotating around with the Yukon announcement. We also had the big um, announcement from the Ontario Liberals about the Ring of Fire. Uh, that came through uh, from Norant Resources, who obviously has a large presence there. Uh, but also an interesting one. I mean, it's it's been talked about for so long. John Cumming, our editor in chief, wrote an editorial on this entitled uh, "Government Fund to to Road of Fire," um, and it's worth checking out on northernminer.com. Uh, he he says it's the first bit of genuinely good news about the Ring of Fire in five years. So an interesting one as well. So check that out. We're starting to see uh, that slow those slow moving gears uh, of the promised infrastructure spending from multiple levels of government start to sort of pop its head uh, above the clouds. <clears throat> Hopefully we'll see a little bit more of this uh, in action, especially in terms of um, expanding access into uh, really promising mineral belts uh, in the north. Um, so that's something we're going to be looking forward to moving ahead. But uh, before we hop over to my interview with Paul, uh, let's hit a little bit of macro uh, and then we'll run through a few headlines that caught my eye today. So, firstly, obviously, we are coming off the Labor Day weekend. Hope everyone enjoyed that last little bit of summer. Uh, Kids are obviously back at school. Some of us are cheering. Um, But... uh Let's head into a little bit first with our base metal rally. So uh, the rally in nickel, copper, and zinc continued overnight, uh, with all three actually eclipsing recent highs. Uh, Nickel was the biggest mover, up 1.8% to U.S. $12,193 per ton, or $5.53 per pound. That's about a 26-month high. Meanwhile, copper added 1.5% to rise up to $3.14 per pound, which is its highest price since October 2014. And zinc was up around 0.6% to a fresh 10-year high of $1.45 per pound. Furthermore, tin was also higher while lead and aluminum fell. Hopping over to gold, bullion is sitting near a 52-week high at $1,345 per ounce at the time of recording, following renewed nuclear testing by North Korea over the weekend. Uh, some major catalysts we'll be looking forward to this coming week uh, include Chinese trade data, comments by the European Central Bank President Mario Draghi, as well as several speeches from federal officials. In Forex news, Scotiabank notes that the U.S. dollar is returning from the long weekend off its lows but remains very soft. Most major currencies are posting net gains on the day versus the big dollar after USD short covering activity in Asian and early European trade ran out of momentum. Global stocks are relatively buoyant, Scotia reports, despite renewed threats from North Korea. But U.S. Treasury bonds are outperforming generally soft, developed market sovereign debt. Tomorrow's Bank of Canada policy decision has been pulled into sharp focus by the strength of the economy implied by recent GDP reports. Now, let's uh, head on over to our, what I would call the headline corner. We're going to look at a, a few major uh, announcements over the last week or so that have caught our eye. Probably uh, are uh, <laughs> scheduled to have in-depth coverage at northernminer.com. I'll take this opportunity to uh, mention, maybe please do consider hopping over to northernminer.com, hitting that subscribe button, and uh, signing up for the newspaper. Uh, we got a lot of really exciting things coming down the pike uh, at the paper, uh, including, as mentioned last week, our Progressive Mine Forum. Uh, if you'd like more information on that, please hop over to our website it's under events there a little drop down box hit progressive mind forum still sponsorship and speaking opportunities available so please do get in touch 
But yeah, let's uh, sally forth and check out a few headlines uh, that have caught our eye over the last little week, which we'll probably be getting uh, some more detailed coverage in the Northern Miner. Uh, but uh, firstly, let's let's check in on a couple of major gold discoveries that have uh, seen some really significant share movement over the last month or so. Uh, first, you might have caught our coverage of GT Gold's Tataga property and BC's Golden Triangle. Uh, they just released uh, new assays, actually, uh, on the Friday, I believe, uh, which were highlighted by 51.5 grams gold and 100 117.4 grams silver per ton over nearly seven meters. Uh, they note that assays are pending at the Tataga property uh, for 28 additional holes. Um, the company was extendedly halted last week. Um, after it reported uh, multiple what it called high-grade gold silver intercepts from six of the first eight core holes ever drilled into the new Saddle South gold discovery. Uh, so just something to note, this uh, this stock has been on, on fire lately. It's one of two we'll talk about. Uh, the other one, of course, being uh, Novo Resources. Um, people might be familiar with uh, Novo. They were the ones who uh, caused a bit of a stir when they released, a, I believe it was a YouTube video of them unearthing a rather large gold nugget. And this, uh, this, this obviously caused a stock to run. Uh, this is at their Purdy's Reward Project. Uh, the news on this side is that uh, Kirkland Lake Gold, uh, yes, uh, recently merged with New Market, operates the Fosterville Mine and Macassa Complex. The Fosterville Mine being in uh, Australia, the Macassa Complex obviously being in Ontario. Uh, but uh, they have announced a new strategic investment in Novo Resources. Uh, this happened early this morning. Uh, Kirkland is putting $56 million via a private placement into Novo. Uh, the financing is expected to close in September. Uh, and then Kirkland Kirkland would own around 18% of uh, the Novo equity. Um, the uh, the unit uh, placement consists of 14 million units at $4 per unit. Uh, obviously, prior to the announcement, uh, Kirkland owned around 9% of Novo, uh, which spiked after they found these gold nuggets in the first sample pit at Purdy's Reward. Uh, this project lies around 45 kilometers south of Caratha in Western Australia. Um, another interesting intercept, uh, Sabina Gold and Silver. People probably caught uh, the positive nude they got from uh, NERV or the Nunavut Impact Review Board recently uh, at their Back River project in Nunavut. Um, so they have been drilling. They have a 10,000 meter program going on this summer looking for more high grade and lo and behold it appears they have found it um within the lama gold trend at back river the company recently reported 38.55 meters of 9.48 grams gold per ton uh that includes 21.25 meters of 14.43 grams gold per ton so this is the uh the first results from their summer drill program sabina's uh at the wholly owned back river project uh looking good so far we'll keep our eyes on uh sabina as they move forward towards either development uh, they're often talked about as a potential takeout candidate now that they uh, appear to have their permitting issues resolved. Um, the uh, As mentioned, the company has 10,000 meters planned with three drill rigs. Uh, they reported it is progressing well, uh, and they uh, they intend to test uh, numerous high-impact targets in and around existing resources at their Goose property. So something maybe to check out as well. Hopping over to the base metal side, got a really interesting one. Uh, Lundin Mining. Uh, we always pay attention to Lundin after they recently sold their stake in Tenki in the Democratic of Congo after Freeport McMoran exited uh, that project as well. They got about $2 billion in liquidity. Uh, so everyone's wondering where is Lundin Mining going to spend this money? Uh, probably on M&A. Uh, uh, Lundin Mining CEO Paul Conabare, uh says that the main priority is to acquire a larger mining project or quote unquote a number of somewhat smaller mines or projects from rivals. Uh, it, it, it does say, however, that uh, Lundin could buy 
quote unquote, a company of significant size if it fails to find such targets. Uh, this was an interview with Dagens Industry. Um, Lundin wants to raise production of base metals reportedly to 600,000 to 800,000 tons per year within a few years. It currently produces about 400,000 tons. Uh, its key focus right now is on copper. So we'll keep our eye on Lundin Mining. Uh, they seem to make savvy deals. So it'll be interesting to see what they end up picking up with all that cash that they got off the sale of tanky uh and those are just some uh headlines that caught my eye recently if you see any please do pop an email over to me we'll definitely take a look at those um but yeah forging on ahead um, i'm going to run my interview with paul west sells uh president and ceo of western copper and gold and the chair of the yukon mining alliance this runs about 11 minutes uh it's going to wrap up our show we get into a lot of detail about um some of this promised infrastructure spending, how it's going to impact the mineral and ext uh, extractive industries up north, um, and sort of where uh, some of the priorities might lie for the government and for industry. So really good little piece here if you're interested in this recent announcement by the Trudeau uh, Liberal Federal Government and the uh, Territorial Liberals in the Yukon. Uh, this is a little uh, a good snippet to listen to. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the show for the week. Uh, I will be back next week. Uh, I think Leslie's coming back into town on Wednesday, so we should have a geology corner, I believe. Uh, but as always, thank you so much for listening to the Northern Miner Podcast. This has been Matthew Kievel, and I will talk to you next week. Obviously, your role with the Yukon Mining Alliance and, and with Western Copper, I mean, have you sort of pushed them on timelines for this at all? Or Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, this was the first step with, was getting this announcement and getting the federal funding. Um, I mean, this was an application to, you know, essentially the Build Canada Fund. And mm -hmm. so the, this is the first step. And so the next step will be pushing them to make sure that 
they, they work. And, I, you know, I, they're very driven. This has been a big project for this government. They've been very, very, uh, um, it's uh, something that they have put a lot of effort into, so I don't think that they're going to drop the ball on it. So I'm actually up there next week to sort of meet with highways and, and see what the next steps are and, you know, what, what we as industry and, and me as the CEO of Western Copper and Gold can do, you know, to sort of help facilitate getting getting these agreements with the First Nations. Um, uh, yeah. Again, it's that first step and then, you know, helping getting things through permitting and then turning over some dirt. And interestingly, I mean, 650 kilometers is is not immaterial, obviously. We're talking about a lot right. of, of road here. Um, but it, yeah. it does say you're, it build, replace, you know, there's there's a lot of activity going on. It, do you have a, a figure on how much new road is being built, Paul? My understanding is, so there, there are three there are three roads mm-hmm. that are part of this package. Okay. One is, is um, essentially the road to the casino mine site from the south, so it leaves CarMax uh, and then goes forward uh, up an existing road and then new road to the casino mine site. The second road is the Goldfields Road south of um, Dawson. So this goes through, again, goes through the existing road, and then there's some new road that brings it right to the coffee project. Okay. And then the third road is um, is, is in is the Nahani Range Road area. It's in the Nahani Range, and this is to bring, um, you know, a road essentially to the Selwyn project, which is privately owned right now. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. So Selwyn, the Selwyn project in that road, there's an existing road there. It's a very, you know, you know, keep in mind that when you talk road in the Yukon, <laughs> <laughs> this is something you need a four by four with and uh, good weather. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's, there's a goat trail there for that. Um, our road is a total of 200 kilometers. Um, mm-hmm. And the first 80 two kilometers uh there is an existing road there but again it's an, it's a fairly rough road and then the same idea on the on the goldfields road south from dawson um part of that there's roads on as well so and then if you look at the package um the road pack i mean so for casino as it says and and for western copper and gold as it says in our news release the funding is 100 percent of that first 82 kilometers and then 30% of the additional, so that additional new road is 30%. Mm-hmm. And then the road into coffee is split similarly in that about half of it is 100% funded in its upgrading of the existing road, and then some of the new road is a 30% funding level. Now, have they sort of prioritized any of this in any way? Like, is, is one road coming before another, or is it just sort of as they're permitted? Um, that's, a, you know, that's one of the, the questions that, that I have, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think that they're going to look at uh, which projects, I mean, they're gonna look at activity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more than just, this, is casino going and coffee going and Selwyn going? I mean, that's, that the, those sections, those second sections of road, which are only a 30% funding and the 70% funding is by the company. Mm-hmm. Of course, the project needs to go forward for that funding to be released. Yeah. But those first sections, those 100% funded first sections, my understanding, and I mean, I'll get clarified clarity on this next week. But if you talk to the government, you might want to ask them about this. Okay. Um, is that that will go forward regardless because these are really corridors. Um, and if you think of south of Dawson, there's this is an area with a lot of plaster mining activity. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a road there that makes sense regardless of if coffee goes forward. You look at, at 
the first 82 kilometers of the road. Um, and more importantly, there's a bypass that bypasses the town of Carmax, okay. um, and which is something that's very important to that community. Um, and again, it services an area where there's a lot of use, um, and not just mining, but guiding and you know, uh, you know, fishing and all those other sort of things. So these these are yes, it opens up infrastructure that that helps mining projects, but it also is bigger than that for those two. And so I'm familiar on those two. The Nahani, I'm not that familiar with. Okay. Uh, the the other question, I guess, there is obviously um, the First Nation involvement. Um, and I mean, from that sort of permit side, I mean, is there is there much resistance here you sense or anything you've heard that, you know, might hang it um, up on that side? No, I, I, I mean, I think that there's probably um, some, you know, the First Nations are, I mean, so first of all, um, mm -hmm. you know, the chief of Little Salmon Carmax, which mm -hmm. is the one that that first section of, of the road from, from Carmax to Casino, and the, the chief of Selkirk were both at the press conference that yeah. um, held, and so I, I talked to both of them. Um, uh, you know, they they both, you know, they've provided letters of support. Um, mm. You know, they they are looking for, particularly on these, I mean, to be honest, the road that's 30% funded and, and is basically the casino road, that's fairly straightforward. That will be part of um, the agreement that I will have with the First Nations. The okay. first, that first section of road, which is 100% government-owned, um, that needs to be an agreement between the First Nation and, you know, I think it's going to be negotiated by the territorial government. And then, I guess, um, as, you know, in your role as YMA uh, chair there, Paul, I mean, uh, not yeah, obviously this you could see the benefit to Casino and to Western Copper and, and to Gold Corp and to Coffee, but maybe a little comment on, on how this broadly affects maybe the exploration and development um, businesses up there. Having the federal government make this commitment on infrastructure, um, I think just really sort of helps, uh, you know, helps kill that, that, what I would say is incorrect assumption about the poor infrastructure in the Yukon mm -hmm. um, and, and, and puts that money aside for, you know, proven corridors in the Yukon where there's significant mineral potential, there's just off the top of my head. I mean, obviously it's it's Gold Corp ourselves. Um, it's Triumph. I mean, we had Golden Predator was there, and you know, it's not their three aces, but you know, before they had three aces, they had Snorkels right along that road. Mm -hmm. um, Capstone um, is it can be impacted by this. Um, all of those white gold and and independence gold, all of those, all of that activity. I mean, it's sort of one of the things that, you know, when I'm pitching Western is I say, look, all of this investment, all of this uh, Kinross and this Nico and, and Gold Corp, all that investment is right in this area where we are. And yeah. so these are roads into that area. It just, it, it just, it, it actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, you've got lots of exploration there. That's been recognized by you know these major mining companies with their investments in these, um, these various exploration companies, and then that's followed by a government investment in that area as well. So it it, it falls and then makes a lot of sense. And then I guess to, to sort of circle back to Casino Paul um, in maybe a bit more detail. I mean, how does this affect your near term plans, if at all? Um, and sort of what what are you going to be looking at it in the next let's say eighteen months? 
now that you've got this news in, your, in hand? What it does is it, it eliminates some of the risk in, in that path. So the path was 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 the same, and, and really that's, I mean, what we're doing right now, we've got a couple really key critical path items, and, and one of that, the most important critical path item is around tailings and what we do with, with waste at the mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so right now we've got, we're going through a process that, same process that Rainy River went through, and it's now law in BC, and it's called the Best Available Technology Process, and involves the First Nations and the regulators and governments, and take place here over over the next little while. And then once that's through, you know, then then we push to get it permitted. So, um, what this does is that there was an open question about that first section of the road. Well, you know, if the government is going to build that, then why aren't they trying to move that forward and permit it? Now that that funding is there, you know, I have a commitment from this government to move that forward and get that into permitting around the same time as as we're moving the casino project.